This is Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab with your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 135, a quest to learn Arabic while abroad during lockdown with our guest, Kevin Oxner. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster, your communication, leadership, and learning lab. Our special guest today is none other than Kevin Oxner. Kevin is an expert in visual productivity. He's helped us do a content audit. He does memory and visualization, and he's currently speaking with us at the other end of the world. Kevin Oxner, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Greg. I really appreciate you having me on. Well, I figured since I haven't seen you for a while, I figured it might be time for us to to chat a little bit. I know a lot of people are on lockdown and many people are starting to use Zoom for the first time. You and I have been using Zoom for quite a number of years. Uh, this time we're using a program called Zencaster to record the audio. So Kevin, tell us a little bit about where you are right now and how you ended up getting there. All right, Greg. Well, I think you and maybe some of your, your listeners may remember that I was in Abu Dhabi uh, a few years back. And I was here with my wife. She was teaching in a Canadian international school at the time. And so we went back to Edmonton. And then this past year, we decided that we would do it all over again. I'm actually in the process of finishing an after degree. I was sort of hopping on planes and going back and forth this past year from Edmonton and, and Abu Dhabi. It's been a long eight or nine or ten months, whatever we're at right now. How far is it from Edmonton to Abu Dhabi? And how long did it take you to get there? It's pretty much halfway around the world. We're kind of 11 time zones off or ahead of, of, the, of Edmonton time. Right now we're 10, 10 hours difference because they don't do the daylight savings time here. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as getting here, uh, usually I fly to Toronto and then it's about a 12-hour flight if you get direct. Otherwise, you've got to go through you know, Germany or Switzerland or somewhere. And so it takes you, you know, usually 19 hours is probably a good day and probably 26 is 27 is probably a little bit of a longer day to get all the way over here. And then on your last trek back, you barely made it in on time, correct? Yeah. You know what? It was because I had to wait until I heard officially from the university that they were going to go to online classes. I was waiting and waiting. And on the Saturday they said, Kate, we're doing online classes. I booked a ticket for Sunday morning because, again, Abu Dhabi is ahead. They were going to close the borders on it was the Monday or the Tuesday. And I got here. I snuck in a day ahead of the border closures. Well, if you're going to be in quarantine or if you're going to be in lockdown, obviously you, you want to do it with your family, of course. Yeah, it would, would have been a pretty sad day if I had been stuck on the opposite side of the world and my wife and kids. I've got two children. If It would have been pretty tough, but we would have been separated for sure. Well, Kevin, we like to have you on the show, not only because you're a good friend of mine, but you never cease to amaze me. You're always learning new things. I remember the visual productivity. We talked about content audit. We talked about memory and visualization. Now your big thing is is learning languages. It's something that I've been excited about and I was looking forward to the whole time, the whole past year. I think it's something that uh, it, we'll get into. I'm, I'm trying to have a little bit of suspense here, Greg, but this particular language I was planning on learning, the last time we were, we were here in Abu Dhabi, I just, I didn't put any effort in. And so I kept saying to myself, this time it's going to be different. So that's why we're here. Now, Kevin, of course, your first language is English. You then were 
inspired to learn Spanish? I did the traditional Canadian thing, I'll call it, where I did take French up until grade 11. And then when I went to university, my first year of university, I just wanted to try something a little bit different. And so I said, oh, I'll try Spanish. And lo and behold, a couple of years later, I met my wife, who's from Nicaragua. I'll say in those first couple of years, I took two years of university in Spanish. I understand a few words, but when we went down to Nicaragua and Costa Rica, I couldn't understand a word that was being spoken because it was so fast. Over the years, I've spent a lot of time and dedicated a lot of effort learning Spanish. And it's still not perfect, but it's definitely at a point where I can communicate and, and get all my ideas and thoughts across. Of course, I tried to learn Spanish. I grew up in Montreal, so of course I learned French first. I had friends that had parents who didn't speak English, so I learned a little bit of Italian. Then I tried Spanish, of course, through our local Toastmasters club. We uh, we have a Latino Canadian Entrepreneurs Club. My challenge was that my brain would go English, French, Italian, Spanish. And of course, the folks in the club would just shake their head and they'd say, no, Greg, that's not Spanish. That's Italian or some variation thereof. Now, one of the th- one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because I wanted you to share with our listeners some of the things that you need to go through to learn a new language. Now, perhaps going from Spanish to French or French to one of the other Latin languages might be a little easier, may not be as much of a stretch, but you've certainly taken this to an extreme. So tell us which language that you are learning. And of course, I think it's kind of obvious based on where you are. <laughs> some of the nuances, just some of the things that you went through in, and also in terms of its, its difficulty level compared to other languages. So take it away, Kevin. I guess, first of all, can I go back a little bit, Greg, and talk about Spanish? No. <laughs> when I was learning Spanish, I did, I swear, I did everything wrong. I was so self-conscious that I was terrified to speak it. And when anyone would give me any feedback, I would clam up. And it it was just not, it wasn't a fun experience. But I kept saying, well, you know, at the time, my my wife, my girlfriend, at the time, she said, you're doing great. Just keep going. I'm like, no, I'm terrible. And, And I had this whole concept built up in my head that I just, I had to be perfect or else I just wasn't going to speak. Mm-hmm. And so that took me, it took me years and years and years to get over that until finally I did a couple of things. The first thing I said was, well, I'm going to speak to my mother and father-in-law hundred percent in Spanish, no matter what happens. Nice. And just as a sign of respect and because it's good practice for me as well. And so that helped a little bit. And then there was a point where I said, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to speak to whoever, whoever's there and whoever will listen to me. And if they say anything negative, I don't care. And of course, Greg, you can probably guess what happened. I started speaking to everyone who who, who speaks who speaks Spanish, speaking to them in Spanish, and nobody. Everyone was awesome. Everyone was so supportive. They were helpful. They were listening. They were just they were blown away that my Spanish was actually not that bad at that point. And so it was really really exciting. Coming to to Abu Dhabi, I said to myself because the last time we were here, I learned probably five or ten words in Arabic. I said to myself, this time is going to be different. So this time I'm going to spend a little bit of effort. I'm going to spend, put a lot of effort in and I'm going to, going to learn some Arabic. And my goal wasn't to be perfect in Arabic, but at least to have something where I can communicate, you know, be friendly with people and, and be able to read the signs. Because here the signs are all bilingual in English and in Arabic. And so it's exciting when you can walk around and you can read a sign and say, hey, I understand what that means. So that's why I've tried to approach things a little bit differently with my Arabic as I did to the 
my previous language. Now, in terms, I know one of the things we shared offline is that there are, I guess there are gauges or there are metrics in terms of number of hours or level of difficulty it takes to, to learn a particular language from another language. You want to share a little bit of that with us? I may have the name a little bit wrong, but it's, it's the U.S. Foreign Service, something like that. And what they've done is they've gone through and they've trained so many people to learn these languages. What they've done is they've gone ahead and they've, they've allocated hours, a certain number of hours to each language. And all that really does, it doesn't say it's going to, you know, after 500 hours, you'll be fluent. It just means from their experience, it's taken the average person doing full-time instruction about this much time to learn this particular language. For an example, Spanish and French, I think they're about the same. Off the top of my head, I'm going to say 600 hours is, is about where they are. So they're saying 600 hours of full-time study. So, you know, around half a year, we'll say approximately of full-time study. And German is about 750 hours. And again, if I'm off by a couple of hours, I'm going to apologize to everyone. Uh, but the thing was, is the Arabic is in a class at level four or level five. And it's about, I'm going to say, 2,400 hours. Wow. Approximately four times the length that they estimate it'll take you to become fluent in Arabic for an English speaker compared to someone who's learning Spanish, let's say. Wow. And of course, it helps when you're immersed, when you're at a location or in a location where you can uniquely listen and hear and, and absorb the language. Absolutely. It really, it really, really does. So how did you get started? What were some of the things that you did? One of the things I did, one of the first things I did was I actually got a really, really cool book called Arabic Script Hacking <laughs> and Judy something. I forget the quite, I forget her last name. Sorry, I should have had it in front of me, Greg. But the, the idea was being that she goes through and she goes through step by step. She chooses some of the letters that have sounds, first of all, similar to that in English. So you go through all these ones and then she starts giving a lot of words but the words are all translated words. So it's usually the names of cities, the names of countries. So they're all names that are, you know, we'll say Arabic versions of words that you would understand. So when you read them, you instantly you know what the word is because it's sounding out a word that sounds identical to those ones in English. Okay. So the whole point, all we're doing is getting familiar with the, the letters and how they get put together. Each, or I'll say not each letter, but most letters have four different forms depending on where it comes in a sentence or whether it comes by itself. So just getting familiar with all those different types of forms. So she moves on with some of those and then they get a little bit more challenging. And then of course, near the end, there's some of the sounds that just, there aren't, they aren't made in English. And so those ones I did for me were more of a challenge to get those sounds. And there's still, some of them are still a little fuzzy as far as when I see them, how do I pronounce them and, and whatnot, but I'm still learning and it's been great so far. You want to give us a quick example give it a good shot? I do not want to speak. I don't want to say anything to Arabic right now, Greg, because I, I just uh, I'm I'm still at a point where I, I'm just trying to take it all in. And it's there's a, there's a, a theory called comprehensible input. You take it in. You're you're reading. You're listening. Reading, listening, and there's a point where you just start speaking it. And I I think at this point, or to for me to be speaking Arabic on the internet, I'm gonna sort of hold off a little bit. I, I have had some great one-on-one -on -one conversations with people just having some basic phrases and they've been great. There's some good people on the internet who are willing to do language exchanges. Well, that's what I've been doing, teaching me, teaching them English. And then they spend some time teaching me Arabic and that's been working very nicely as well too. 
Are you finding, I mean, obviously you're, you're in lockdown right now, but are you, did you find when you went to any of the locations and places that people were patient with you, knowing that you're trying? I mean, it's pretty obvious that, uh, that you're not a local, (laughs) but how, how did that work out? So here's a, here's a really important thing. And some people may not realize this, but there are so many expatriates. So there's so many expats here in, in Abu Dhabi that the lingua franca is English. Really? So pretty much anyone you're going to speak to speaks English. Mm -hmm. And the people who are from here, a lot of people who are from the United Arab Emirates and Abu Dhabi and Dubai, that kind of thing, they speak beautiful English. And so it's one of those things where it's almost, and this is the thing I found with Spanish, is that because I was here and everyone I know in Spanish who speaks Spanish, most of them speak very good English, we would just default to English. And I found that a little bit here where I, I would I would kind of get lulled into that comfort zone of going back to English a little bit. And because we've been in lockdown, I we, we have been holed up quite a bit. I haven't been speaking Arabic outside of the household at all with people, which has been a real disappointment. When I was coming here, I had these big dreams, Greg. I was going to go to coffee shops and put up a sign and say, come talk to me. And just that obviously hasn't materialized. 2020 has just not been the year to to get out there. So I've been doing most of my learning, uh, just using flashcards and on the internet and, and all those good things. Well, obviously you got to start somewhere. I know the other thing you were telling me about was the signs, how good it made you feel that you were able to see a sign and actually read the sign. It's almost funny because I'll sit there sometimes with, with some of the signs and you know how you, sometimes you'll hear a child sounding out the letters and then they realize what the word is and they go, Oh, I know what that word is. And so that's what I, I'm still doing. I still have to sound out some of the, the letters until I figure out what the word says. And then I get excited and pat myself on the back a little bit, knowing some of the words and what, what the signs are. And of course, it helps because there's a lot of signs. You know, there's McDonald's and Pizza Hut and those kind of where we know the word already in, in English. Mm-hmm. And so it's more looking at how they've translated some of those signs, some of those names into the Arabic. Okay, so some of them are translated phonetically and others are translated so that the word makes more sense in the Arabic language. Pretty much most of the the, the well-known brands are just translated so they sound like very similar to what they would in English. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thing mm-hmm. is, is that because Arabic is written in script, so it's, it's um, not maybe everyone may not know this, but it's sort of handwritten, I'll say, where it's, it's all flows in like, like handwriting. It's, it flows into each other. And on signs, you can make them look really beautiful because you can do all these swoops and swirls. And and for a poor guy like me who is trying to learn the language, <laughs> I had to sit there and just take an extra second to really look at some of these letters and say, okay, which which letter is that? And this and and but it's it actually is really cool to figure out when I when I realize what it is that and I can read the sign. It's it's been fun. It's been really fun. I'm still very very much a beginner, but it's been fun to have taken it at least this far. It looks a lot like calligraphy, I find. And that's what it is. When people write it well, it looks just absolutely gorgeous. So it's been, it's, it's nice that I've tried. I'm working on my writing as well, just because I don't write that neatly as it is great, but uh, I do my absolute best to make it look as, as nice and neat as possible when I'm doing my herb. So are your kids outdoing you on all this? You know, the kids have been amazing because they have come and there there's certain levels for people who are non-native speakers. 
in the schools. It's a requirement. It's one of the core courses in school here in Abu Dhabi. And so my kids have several Arabic classes per week. So they were just, they picked it up so fast and they're, I'm always saying, how do I say this? And then they'll correct me and, or they'll, they'll clue me in. And so they, they're doing really, really well. So I'm impressed. I'm really proud of them for, for how far they've gone. Yeah, I mean, it's great to be bilingual. Now your kids are going to be trilingual. That's absolutely awesome. Yeah. So what are some of the other things that you're doing to help yourself learn the language? Here's the thing. And I know some people who are listening might be like, oh, what are you doing? But I, w- I want to explain my reasoning behind this quickly. And then I'll tell you some of the things that I've just tried to do a little bit different. Now, with Spanish, I learned it completely traditional. I started in first year university. I always tell my wife this. I memorized it was 3,000 words because I, I had this huge list. I memorized the grammar. I memorized all these things. And then right after we got married, I went down to Nicaragua, and I couldn't understand a word because there's so many different things. There's the context. There's the speed. There's the, you know, the hustle and bustle of things going on around you. And it was one of the most disappointing things for me because I went there, and I, I thought I, had, I knew all these words. And if someone says a word to you, yeah, you, you can get that one-off word. But when it's full on, like, you know, we were staying with family. So it's like it's normal, rapid, uh, fast, fast, uh, how do you say it, quickly spoken or fast Spanish. And so I just I couldn't couldn't comprehend it. And so I went back and I tried harder and I tried harder. And then I got I got down on myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Comple- I completely flipped the script on this one where what I've done this time. So I, like I mentioned, I wasn't going to do it, but I learned the. I learned the, the alphabet because I started that in Edmonton before I came here. And something, too, that maybe not all the listeners are, are aware of is that Arabic has something called modern standard Arabic, where that's most of the stuff, most of the news is spoken in this. Most of the writing is written in this. But every country, every not every country, every region has a different dialect. So you really, to be completely fluent, you'll need to be able to understand modern standard Arabic, standard Arabic, and also the dialect. And so I planned, on, of course, coming and doing all this and learning both. And of course, that was just, it's like drinking out of a fire hose. You just can't, you can't do it all at once. If I could have gone out into the street, I would have spent more time on the, the dialect. And instead, because I've been stuck in home, at home, I've been trying to focus more on the reading and the, and the listening uh, as far as news go, news goes. So that's why I've spent more time on the standard Arabic. Uh, and what I've done is I've, again, I've gone through, I've used that book to get an idea of things. And I tried something completely different. I found a, it was a bit of a, was, there was an article written and I thought it sounded kind of interesting. It's where I took a, a pro, I took a free program where they go ahead and they say the word in English and then in Arabic. And I, I started listening to it. I just didn't speak. I just listened and listened and listened until there was a point where I could, you know, when they said the word in English, I'm like, okay, I know what that is in Arabic. And then I started going through, and the idea was that I wanted to listen and then try and really mimic how that person, the inflections, the intonations, the, the spacing, all that kind of thing, to try and mimic how the person was speaking. And so I started doing that. That was one of the things I think was helping as far as improving my pronunciation a little bit. Now, still we're in work in progress, but I think that has helped. And it also helped me to remember and memorize a lot of words. Uh, the second thing I did is I think I've, I don't know if I've talked about it on your podcast, Greg, but I use a program called Anki. And it's just, it's a, it's a flashcard program and it's electronic. So what it does is it, 
instead of looking at the flashcards, because most people who use flashcards, the old ones, you'll keep looking at the, the flashcards you know because you're really good at them. This one pushes those back. So if you know a card really, really well, it'll push it back a week or push it back a month or push it back a year. And all you ever do every day is you work on the ones that are you're probably rusty on, they're new, or you haven't seen for a few days or a few weeks or a few months. I took those cards and put them one side English, one side Arabic. And then on the Arabic side also, I put the – I actually took the time to go into Audacity and I cut little snippets of all the audio files so that if I still had a little bit of trouble reading a phrase or a word, I could play the audio and I could hear it. And hopefully that would help me figure out what the word was supposed to be that I was learning. Wow, that's actually pretty interesting. Now, I'm assuming that you also do what a lot of other people do, perhaps read – children's books or listen to children's shows or you turn on your closed captioning on your tv movies and you know i've tried a couple of things one there's a, a program or a, a website out there that was working pretty well for me for spanish uh, i actually tried it first of all with arabic but i knew so little arabic that it was just it got a little frustrating there's a site called link l-i-n-g-q what that does is you can actually import things in so i actually took some a couple of arabic movies and I imported them in. That was that was obviously way ahead of where I should have been. Uh, but what it does is as you read, if there's a new word, the new word is highlighted in blue. Or it's highlighted in yellow. So no, new ones are in, in blue. And as you learn the word, as you feel more comfortable with it, you can go through a progression of, I think it's four or five different colors until once you know the word, it just looks like a normal black ink on white screen. Or not ink, but you know what I mean, black black text on a white screen. And the idea being that you feel more confident, you can you feel more comfortable with the words. But as you, if you don't know the word, you can click on it. It'll give you a definition, and it'll say the word. So that was helpful. It didn't work that well for Arabic. I think I was too low. But for my Spanish, it was actually really really helpful. So if you're probably a you know intermediate ish, more advanced speaker of a language, for sure that was it was great to uh, to go in and pick up some more of the words. I've got I had a couple links. I've been, I've watched a few episodes of the Flintstones in Arabic. Nice. And so that's kind of neat too. Sometimes if we were actually in Canada, they don't always let you let you do Arabic subtitles. Whereas here in Abu Dhabi, there's tons of Arabic subtitles. Uh, something that I planned on doing, and I actually didn't do it in the end, was every year they have a special series during Ramadan. So usually in Ramadan, you'll you'll have your 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 meal. And then you'll break your fast and you'll have, you have your meal. And then you'll watch like a soap opera. And then, not a soap opera is not the best word, but like a, a series mm-hmm. that usually lasts the length of Ramadan. And so I had a couple of those saved on Netflix and I was going to go through and watch. But it was still, again, a little too advanced for me. So I've, I did gone back to some simpler <laughs> words and phrases and books. And, and again, Flintstones, because it's a little easier to see the, the physical comedy. You can kind of understand what's happening without catching up 100% of all the words that are being said. So that's been kind of neat too. Wow. Well, Kevin, this has been quite exciting and quite enlightening once again. You you never cease to amaze me in terms of some of the things you pick up. As our time comes to a close, perhaps if someone is interested in learning Arabic or Spanish or any other language, what's one little tip perhaps that you can offer them to get started? I, I think what I would suggest, Greg, is this is something that for me I found because I kind of joke around that I, it took me 20 years to learn Spanish. So I figure if, if Arabic's four times as hard, it's going to take me 80 years to learn this one. 
But really, for me, what worked was, and I think this is one of the the seven habits of highly effective people. One of the ones was, I think, was sharpening your saw. I figured out was instead of sitting there memorizing more words and being too shy to speak, it's better to work on that confidence and learn a few things, learn them well, and go out and use them right away. And that confidence breeds more confidence, and then you'll improve that much faster. So I think for me, it's almost as opposed to saying go and learn a bunch of words, it's get that confidence first. And once you have that confidence, everything else gets not easier, but you're more confident. You're more willing to go out there and put yourself out there because it is a scary thing. It's scary when you don't know and you feel like you're you're maybe not as smart because you're the how you're speaking. But it's again, the only way to get good at something is to be bad at something to start with. Kevin Oxner, shukran. <laughs> Very nice. Shukran, you can great. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies. A new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com. <laughs>